0: This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. (laughs) Boy. Hey, and thanks for coming to 90 for Chill, the podcast this week's episode. We will be discussing those holiday movies if you can really find them. You know, there's not a lot of Jesus, plenty of Santa, and just to give you a taste of where i hope we go with this podcast i'll give you a little trailer for an underappreciated bill goldberg feature santa's sleigh where you get to see him brutalize james khan dave thomas fran Drescher, lots of celebrities needing a quick payday in winnipeg mm-hmm.
1: Grandpa, I want the truth about Christmas.
0: If it's the truth
1: you want, then it's the scary truth you're gonna have. According to the Book of Claus, Santa, Satan's only son, lost a bet and was forced to spread Christmas cheer. But now, all bets are off. Oh my God! Santa? <clears throat> yes, there is a Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Ho, ho,
0: hoes. <laughs> Santa Claus is not a myth or a legend. He's real. <laughs> Only
1: he's not bearing gifts and presents anymore. Christmas can sure scare the dickens out of people. He's scary, yet educational. I'm just trying to spread a little yuletide fear. Are you saying Santa is offing everyone who's naughty and nice? <laughs> oh my God! Shot Santa? Get <laughs> away! Santa's on the loose! This holiday season. Oh, oh, oh. Lock your doors.
0: <laughs> Hold the windows. Aw, oh, Grandpa got run over by a reindeer. Everyone stand back. Things are about to get a little messy. <laughs> and block the chimney.
1: Cause naughty or nice, Santa Claus <laughs> is coming to town. Santa's sleigh. Go ahead, kid. Let's see what Santa got you. I hate children.
0: Little Hans says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. And allow me to provide you the regular... ...type of opening for 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth, is the handle that I'm trying to get over. Thank you to the ID10T podcast once again for giving us a little advertisement for that Stanley Tucci episode. But, you know, people are going to refer to me as Russ, so you may as well know I'm Russ Stevens. And this week I brought back the Poetic Critic. This time we are all zoned in, and we are going to discuss holiday movies, so... Uh, Rory, my older sister, she's a she loves to get into the season, I think. I'm very m- much a cynic, and I think that's going to be the real balance of this podcast. She's one to really appreciate the efforts of good old wholesome entertainment, while my binge for this, aside from the Polar Express, involved Santa's sleigh and... The ref with Dennis Leary. So, two different uh, standpoints from that, and that's what I like to bring to the podcast. So, I do have a couple of guests lined up, but schedules, be it as they are, it can change on a dime so if you want to be on 90 for chill the podcast feel free to send me an email the address is rustthebus07 at gmail.com that is r-u-s-s-t-h-e-b-u-s-0-7 at gmail.com Or you can follow me on twitter the handle is at cat that's at c-a-t-b-u-s-r-u-s-s and that's where i prefer to get all my hate Sent to, directed to. I kind of lost myself uh, near the end of the podcast because I was trying to send out a tweet storm during the interview. Uh, I do that nightly, usually during wrestling programming. I figure the audience can't be too much different, or maybe I'm just a happy medium. Someone actually went and responded to a tweet I said about freedom of speech is fine, but freedom to hate other human beings should be criminal somebody responded with so who gets the judge who can be hated and it's like I went back with just saying you know this twat has a peppy the frog image as his avatar I just said well you know I think you're just a hateful person you've you know so I should have just told him why are you asking to hate people so if I can take that willing to work with that some me your uh, criticism to that account. Not trying to limit you to just 140 characters. And I know it's 280 now and all that bollocks. But, you know, help the algorithm out with whatever podcast app you prefer. And, you know, subscribe. Five-star reviews. All I can ask for. Thanks again for coming to the podcast. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, as I said, really, rustabus 7 at gmail.com, at catbusrus on Twitter. I just need... A theme, a film, a director, an actor. As long as we focus on content between, let's say, 74 and 99 minutes, I think we got podcast gold. Thanks again for coming. And before we get into that, I do have to honor Ali's accessory shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Review. This week it'll be Waiting for Guffman. And you know what? It's not a Trash Feature by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just more amazed that my good friend Allie had taken the time to look at so many DVDs just trying to find that they meet the parameters of the podcast. And after that, we'll get right back to The Poetic Critic. You can find her on Letterboxd. The username is The Poetic Critic. No underscores, no bollocks like that. That's how we like it. I'm on Letterboxd as well. That's at CM Darth. Thank you again for coming to the 91st Shield, the Podcast, and I hope you enjoy.
1: The City Council of Blaine gave me the responsibility of putting together a show to celebrate the 150th anniversary of Blaine. I took the whole history of the town and I squeezed it like a piece of fresh bread.
0: I think the uh, one
1: really important thing that I learned in working with Quirky is that I do indeed have talent. My booby made a kishka, she made it big and fat. My zeta took one look at it and said, I can't eat that. I have found here in Blaine a gold mine of talent. (coughs) I think Johnny would be so perfect, don't you? He could be the next Keanu Reeves we've got ron and sheila on board again newcomer alan pearl i have a very lazy eye which these uh, prescription glasses help libby i've been working here at the dq for about um... And of course, Lloyd and I, it's like rams butting heads. Certainly, Corky has brought something to our little theatrical community. He's definitely um, different. You know, he can just do everything there is to do, and there's only one other person in the world that can do that, and that's Barbara Streisand. I have a little announcement to make. Mort Guffman is gonna come from New York City and see our show. We have one shot at this. We've got one performance with Mort Guffman Coming to town, we need to hitch up our panties and run.
0: I guess it may be a bit of self-loathing being a kid from Peoria. I cannot help but enjoy New Yorkers, Los Angelinos, those from Toronto coming to do a movie about the Midwest, The areas with no real nice accents and a lot of country music. That is Waiting for Guffman in a little nutshell. It's a great little encapsulation of pretty much any town, I think, uh, especially the local theater scene because the plot is the director, uh, Corky, is trying to get back to New York via a play for the Blaine, Missouri's 150th anniversary they soon pick up that a critic or a director from Broadway is actually going to see the play. Obviously, giving the likes of Catherine O'Hara, Fred Willard, Eugene Levy, and a dumbed-down Parker Posey that kind of offer, opportunity, only hilarity can ensue. It's a nice little subtle film. You can just... Kind of keep it on as, especially if you're from the Midwest, keep it on as background noise, like pretty much just what you expect from home. But you really pay attention to it, and you can't help but just amuse yourself with, for me, having to help out my older sister with plays and stuff, being a stagehand just the weekend of. I kind of just can't help but love this. I've only seen one other of Christopher Guest's films, and that would be for your consideration and again I love the inside baseball type element of it this one is a little more pure a little more honest not as over the top and maybe I don't know I do want to kind of get more of a Spinal Tap vibe but hey you can't ask for the greatest comedy of the 80s over and over again so you want something solid that's funny very relatable Something you can watch with yourself and not be afraid to laugh. I loved the first Borat movie, but I definitely can't watch that improvised humor without knowing there's somebody there also laughing their ass off. Waiting for Guffman is definitely a recommendation.
1: Superman!
0: Red button's going. Let me get some intro music. <laughs> yeah, Horn jazz works a little better than. Uh, I know it's not quite appropriate for the season, but I'm not going to go and dig up, uh, see if P4 or the Zoom has additional uh, sound bites I can install on it. It probably does. If somebody out there knows, let me know. But again, we are back to 90 for Chill, the podcast, and this is probably going to go up in a couple weeks. I got to finally found the use for the... Lost Rory episode, sorry, The Poetic Critic episode. Just needed to add some context. I figured, okay, well, lastly, you know what, I I think I'm in a Russell McKay mood. Watched Resident Evil Extinction. Alright, and I can do a podcast and throw that ahead of the uh, Australian movie talk we had in the previous one. And then it's like, no, that Resident Evil movie dropped, the new Resident Evil drops this week, so. Timing. And, um, so, And when it comes to timing, somebody's already got all that mistletoe bollocks on their brain. So, Rory suggests, the poetic critic suggested, that we do Christmas movies. So, you know what? I think I will let her take it away, because I'm quite the cynic, of course, when it comes to the holiday. I don't know why I didn't have any bad experiences. You know, aside from... Like, obsessive-compulsive order, disappointing people giving me certain gifts. Like, you know. But um, otherwise, I can't say there were any bad Christmases growing up. You got two on me. I mean... Any awful Christmases?
3: I can't remember any offhand that were
0: straight-up awful. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I mean, when it comes to Christmas and movies and such, obviously you got um, A Christmas Story, which is all the VHS rage. I don't think it was a hit back in 1981, 82
3: no, it, it, 1983. Oh, okay. It, only, if it did well. It was only modest, but there was enough interest in it that the studio re-released it in November 84. Oh, okay. Not there wasn't just the v h s release, oh, right. You well, know, this was back when you sometimes did these quickie reissues,
0: right, but I'm sure it was on t v all the time. or I mean, definitely an h b o classic as yeah that that
3: was where it really took off
0: mm-hmm. and otherwise, and I couldn't find out what movie it was attached to. I know we saw it multiple times in theaters um my I guess my first Christmas memory of movies and such would be. Mickey's Christmas Carol.
3: Mickey's Christmas Carol was attached to the reissue of The Rescuers for 1983.
0: Okay, Rescuers was a 1977 movie, though, I thought. Yeah, it was, this was... I thought, the se- I thought Seven Year Rotation, Seven meaning... Year
3: Rotation that they did for the reissues did start getting a lot looser at this point. Okay. I, thi- I think as they were starting to enter the video age, they began reconsidering that pattern. Although it wouldn't really take off until later in the decade.
0: No, I'd say Me, early 90s. Yeah. I mean, mid 90s, they pretty much knocked it off completely.
3: Right. But another issue was that because they didn't necessarily have a lot of their own product at the time, sometimes they uh, break the cycle to do like a double feature package or something. Mm-hmm. The thing with Mickey's Christmas Carol was that it had originally been intended for television.
0: Right. And you say all this, and then it's like, yo, oh, I can understand the seven-year cycle breaking when you have the Disney Channel being the next thing on cable, really.
3: Yeah, that changed a lot of things, too.
0: Right. Before it became all girly. And I know, I know, as a progressive, I shouldn't say that. But jeesh. I'm wondering how screen drafts is actually going to tolerate doing a made-for-Disney Channel original I draft.
3: they're going to try doing the disney channel original movies
0: i mean it's not hard to find a couple of millennials to do that but uh and i guess what i guess um clay is probably young enough to have been influenced by that but ryan isn't yeah uh, at least your age maybe older so um so yeah, that's that's how Christmas movies start with me, and then of course in grade school, you know, to kill time, your teachers throw in some Rankin Bass.
3: Yeah, they they did that too.
0: Yeah, so um,
3: they they did maybe some of, some of the more obscure Rankin Bass. At least at the time, I mean, the ones that were more likely to show up in syndication or ever been on the networks once a year, like Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, yeah. I've warmed up to more than I did at the time.
0: Right. And, uh, I thought that was one of the smarter ones.
3: Yeah, that, that is one of the better ones they did. And uh, that was also when uh, the, um, Jimmy Murakami's The Snowman was in pretty heavy rotation everywhere. Mm-hmm. I saw it at school and...
0: I'm sure I saw it in I, school. I, I saw it
3: on HBO. I yeah. saw it with the David Bowie introduction. They added in '83 for the second airing in the UK. Okay. In the UK, the Snowman was created for Channel Four in 1982, mm-hmm. and and they only skipped rerunning it one year, I'm told. And apparently, the ratings for the net for the channel that year. Dropped significantly because they didn't have the airing of the Snowman, so they they've never skipped it since. But like the the original version, and it's the one you can find on DVD now, has an introduction featuring uh, the original author of the picture book it's based on, Raymond Briggs. But for the eighty three airing, they added a bit with David Bowie, and doing this in characters, the older version of the boy in the story, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that was why I watched it in 1983 when they ran it on HBO, because HBO imported a lot of these kind of things at the time for children's programming. And I already had an interest in David Bowie, despite only being five.
0: Yeah, I was say all you had was China Girl and Modern Love playing every now
3: and then. At, on MTV. That yes. was enough. Uh, I don't even remember seeing the China Girl video at the time, because well, that was kind of controversial. Right. The Modern Love video was in heavy rotation. Mm-hmm. That was the one I remember.
0: You see, I just remember Prince primarily and Michael mm-hmm. Jackson when it came to MTV back then. There
3: was plenty of that. That's yeah. not surprising. But Bowie was almost as big.
0: And Journey, yeah, you know, yeah, keyboard invisible keyboards magically appear in walls and yeah. bollocks like that.
3: But uh, anyway, uh, what other stuff would they show? Yeah, the, the you know they'd show like the old Christmas specials to kill the old time at school. as grade school is the oh yeah no we're we
0: all now. we all got at least one viewing of the um peanuts christmas special i don't
3: think we got peanuts in my in any of my classes we did get the bear who slept through christmas hmm. that's one that hardly shows up now the with time he smothers is the bear
0: yeah no i'm totally that does not ring any bells it was
3: a 70s animated special mm-hmm. and it actually had some cheaply produced follow-ups, too, going into the early 80s, but it's hardly remembered. There's a website, uh, it's a subsite site of a, one by an artist called Platypus Comics, and he's been doing, I think on a yearly basis for a while now, the Island of Misfit Christmas Specials, where they tackle the more obscure Christmas productions like these. And he runs down a review, like, he, he reviewed a Christmas special that featured Mr. T and Emmanuel Lewis. <laughs> well,
0: oh, I pity that for <laughs>
3: chilling out in New York City or uh and it's some of the lesser ranking. He's done some of the lesser ranking bass like he didn't discuss Star Wars holiday special just because everyone else has.
0: <laughs> I am still the I don't know I don't believe that exists. I have yet to see it and I'm going to stand by that. Disney Plus did not get the rights to the holiday special, did, did they?
3: They did post, because they had already included it on the uh, the large Blu-ray set they did of the Star Wars movies, the Boba Fett animated
0: short. Right. So, I, you know, I haven't really dug too deep into it. So it these. is
3: available on Disney Plus.
0: Okay, well.
3: That bit anyway.
0: Okay, all and right.
3: At this point, the Rift tracks is legally available. Huh that they can, that rift Tracks now makes it has re- recently put it up on the official youtube page the whole thing with the commercial
0: Oh, well
3: i guess i'm it's, surprised it's disney let that one slip remark a it market at worst.
0: well i guess i guess i'm surprised disney let that one slip because it's kind of like now they're doing obviously last year they did yeah, the lego they are,
3: they are acknowledging the life day thing yeah i've been seeing a lot of stuff for it this year like there's a kids like short story collection life day stuff
0: well look i was just more focusing on the fact that we have the lego star wars Mm -hmm. holiday special and i know next year i believe is the guardians of the galaxy holiday special which uh, i hear james gunn is an unabashed fan of the original (laughs) holiday special
3: On 80s Christmas specials, it is interesting to see what stuck around and what didn't. Back in 2012, I think, the AV Club website, which is not what it used to be, but they still have a lot of stuff archived if you know what to look for, they did a whole primer on Christmas specials and they ran down the most famous, talking their their opinions about the most famous ones, the more obscure ones, kind of the history of that form. And it is interesting to see what used to be in the rerun rotation and what didn't like. And at one point, there we had... Because the 80s were the last big decade for that sort of thing. At the turn of the 90s, there was enough competition from cable and VHS that the networks didn't feel so much of a need to put together special programming that would appeal to kids, like animated specials. That's why the... That's why the Peanuts specials tapered off and the Garfield specials did. And they were the last one really committed to that sort of thing because NBC and ABC kind of slacked off on it by the end of the 80s. Because there wasn't really so much of a need for it anymore.
0: Well, and I guess that might uh, feed into my cynicism. Like, okay, so I had 10 years of Christmas and then (laughs) screw you, I've had 30 years without and when it comes down to at least my taste, though, I don't go back. I I sorry, I didn't go back to watch. Obviously, ninety for chill. So, A wonderful life wasn't gonna cut. Right. Um. So I wasn't gonna look into really research. Holiday Inn. Um, White Christmas White and all Christmas
3: that. White Christmas is. Uh, some of those do fall outside your parameters, anyway. You're right. I don't get really why, why Christmas has kind of been rediscovered. Because while it did well back in the 50s, I don't think it was ever really regarded as that good a film. And it's only in the last few years that it seems to have become one of the staples. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why. Because I remember watching it last Christmas. You yeah. Because I was trying to fill in some holes. And
0: Right. And I recall you doing that.
3: Yeah. And I was... You know, I'm thinking, look, I'm not going to put off my words with friends games. Yes. <laughs> just because I've got this on. I'm not missing much if I look down for a minute or two.
0: <laughs> okay. So, I guess I could have watched uh, Miracle on 34th Street.
3: I've seen the original Miracle on 34th yep. Street, and it's a lot more fun and more cynical than you might imagine the movie with that premise it would be.
0: Well, once you take it's Santa to court, yeah, you're you're going to get your cynicism. Yeah.
3: <laughs> in terms of how, as to why they let it get to that point in the first place. Yeah. Because then when it, when it kind of reveals its hand, it's pretty witty.
0: <laughs> right. So I, that's something I did not expect from the remake. I haven't watched that either. And that was just... I would
3: like to catch up with the remake because some people really enjoy that in its own way.
0: I don't know. It seemed a way too... Um, like i'm a diet i'm a diet
3: sentimental right look 40s version because we're getting into that point in the 90s in the great 90s children's movie craze that came after home alone and uh you know disney coming out of that rebuilding period we did seem to have this kind of thing where on the one hand You've got all the crazy, wacky, wish-fulfillment fantasies along the lines of Home Alone. But then, because we're also entering the value of the era of family values, we're also getting a bunch of these more sentimental movies, like, you know, this was also the point where we got the Angels in the Outfield remake, Mm. Uh, and we're trying all those kid-led adaptations of the Secret Garden little princess i mean
0: it was a so. it was a beloved baseball time too i mean you had yeah, the sand yeah. the sandlot um the angels in the outfield obviously rookie of the year yeah little big League, the, yeah and they took out the cuss words from major league how dare they how dare they
3: but i've heard but some people really like remake of Miracle
0: on 34th Street. Yeah, I'm just a diabetic. When you got Richard Attenborough and the little girl who played Matilda, it's like...
3: Mara Wilson, she's pretty well known in internet circles now. Yes. Be careful what you do
0: there. Uh, no, I, I'm just saying it was, it was definitely too sweet for my taste before I'm checking my blood glucose levels. I'm not, you know, and yeah. I I don't know. Like I never watched, I hadn't gotten around to Matilda, honestly, but Looks good. Um,
3: Some people really swear by Matilda.
0: It that's just it. There's people who, um, I think it was just like people trying, kids trying to say, yes, I got a book that I love, and it's finally a movie, and yeah. they're standing up for it. And It's like, okay, how tight is this compared to the original Raoul doll? You know, Raoul Dahl hated children, <laughs> um, like, and I knew that back when that movie it's came not out.
3: Necessarily a hating children thing, but he only liked certain kinds of children
0: yeah the ones who the perfect ones the ones who shut up and don't run up to the dasher boards during the freaking hockey game and just hang out there you're not like no danville gets your shit together and let the bobcats play for hockey fans i digress um no, no i i
3: understanding is that the matilda movie
0: is fairly faithful to the book although it is americanized quite that quite. is really the thing that probably bites <laughs> my ass by that more, point
3: it is more action oriented yes no so you could tell I've, that i've read the novel back when mom would bring me those back yep, trips to England before you, they got their american publication right in the case of
0: matilda Right, and then you would tell me everything about the book because of your Asperger's disorder. And then I would go and take the little test to score points for my reading courses solely based on my memory. Hey, thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I don't know. Mom was very weird in the sense that I think she thought that uh, if it was on PBS, it was fine for you. We were watching Monty Python videos at 9. I was watching them at nine,
3: yeah, and like of, but you know a lot of TV stuff was milder than what they did in the movies
0: milder. what the yeah, I was about to say we're 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 still you can't work around you can't you can't mild the Hungarian phrase book,
3: yeah but when the let's turn this back around to the 90s kids thing because yeah, there was also a point where. One of the reasons Home Alone was as big as it was was because it was very much a Christmas picture. And since... Um, and
0: yes. An interesting yeah. relationship. I can't, di- I can't deny... Oh, shoot. Uncle No, Uncle Buck wasn't Christmas. That was a birthday in it, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, Sometimes I get confused. If you got enough snow, it must be a Christmas movie. No, that's uh, Chicagoland.
3: I was going to say. But uh, it's interesting to see how the Christmas movie evolved because... There was definitely a point in the 80s where, after A Christmas Story hit, because there was a good... I'm surprised
0: Santa Claus, the movie, bombed in all actuality after you had two years of success with
3: A Christmas Story. Well, I'm going to get to that in a little bit Okay. It okay. was actually a pretty good TV special that used to run in syndication in the 90s. It was narrated by Jane Seymour called A Hollywood Christmas, which was a potted history of Christmas in the movies. And it had a lot of interesting things to say about how, back in the day, your movie might be set during Christmas, but you wouldn't necessarily release it then, and you wouldn't make it a big deal in your advertising that it had something to do with Christmas. Like, they have the trailer for the original Miracle on 34th Street, and it's just... Basically, people who were on the Fox contract (laughs) talking a lot, this is going to be a really good movie. What's it about? They're all talking around it because they don't want to limit it to one season, so you're not going to bring up it involves Santa Claus and all that. And It's a Wonderful Life wasn't really positioned at that because most of the movie does not take place at Christmas, Mm -hmm. if you've seen it.
0: No, no, I'm... No, we we beat up the old man at the end and that's the original ending right no it is okay
3: <laughs> what makes that certain night uh, life there, there's skip a, brilliant there's a
0: good, there's a great co- i have a good explanation for this <laughs>
3: <laughs> what makes that skip brilliant is of course that that was kind of what everybody hoped for cuz uh, and in fact i've read that originally Clarence was going to appear to Mr. Potter at the end of the movie and possibly induce a heart attack, but they thought that was a little too mean. <laughs> That's one thing I've read. I I'm not going to go absolutely.
2: I don't know it, now. You're. But not... it was
3: kind of unusual at the time that you know Mr. Potter does get away with it because the Hays Code generally didn't let you do that. You had to punish your bad guy.
0: Yeah, you're. No, you're so right. So it was a
3: little unusual. if more realistic than. At the time, and
0: that kind of makes me wish they re they they could have worked the death of the landlady in Gremlins till closer to the end, but That's, well, like anyway. like maybe send her up send her up into orbit and then she crashes through the windows in the greenhouse and <laughs> but anyway so. it's a Joe Dante movie I don't think he'd object to that kind of ridiculous nature right there okay.
3: But in this uh, TV special, they also discuss how, in the 60s, because TV got in on special Christmas entertainment pretty early on, I mean, they were doing, like, live Christmas musicals in the 1950s, Mm -hmm. or maybe doing the TV stagings. There was the first opera that was ever written for television, Among the Night Visitors, was kind of an annual tradition for many years, though that petered out by the end of the 70s. So that kinda that kinda discouraged, you know, movie makers from doing anything specifically Christmas related. And that's how you got films like low budget exploitation movies like Santa Claus Conquers the Martians or the famous Mexican production Santa Claus from nineteen fifty nine had really long afterlives on Kitty matinees and on television.
0: Yeah, but for your Pluto sanity, TV. we recommend you go to Pluto TV and just turn the Mystery Science Theater three thousand channel on for those.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but you know those those hung around those hung around for a long time, partially because there were a ton of alternatives. You know, there weren't. Walt Disney didn't do a lot of Christmas related movies in his lifetime, aside from. I think the big exception was Babes in Toyland, which was his first live-action, all-live-action musical in 1961. Yeah. And in the 70s, there was very little made, partially because you we had tended to associate Christmas with a big musical and a family-friendly thing. And that was just not New Hollywood's wheelhouse. It, it just wasn't. You know, television was still making lots of seasonal programming.
0: I'm just thinking, we really need a Scorsese Christmas special.
3: But then, A Christmas Story comes along...
0: I mean, Joe Pesci is just cut out to be an elf. Okay.
3: But then, A Christmas Story kind of hits a sweet spot. And there kind of does start this run on more christmas movies again and some of the more family-friendly ones have been theorized as being kind of a rejoinder to the fact that among the few christmas themed movies that were around in the 70s were the horror films
0: yes like which
3: the same director of right christmas the irony the irony also of that good
0: old bob clark
3: yep and
0: where was the porky's christmas movie <laughs> i it's that's something i did
3: And 1984 had the panic over Silent Night, Deadly Night. Right. And then in 1985, you get Santa Claus the movie. And what's interesting about it being a bomb is that it is only a... In a way, it would only have been considered a bomb when you considered what the budget was. In this country, it grossed about $25 million. That was about half the total budget. You know, the overseas tape wasn't quite enough to get it over the hump, so it was hugely damaging to the producers. and The reviews were mostly awful, though some were kinder. Roger Ebert's two-and-a-half-star review is quite even-handed, I think. I have a very soft spot for the movie. But I do kind of understand why people don't like it. Because, you know, it, it is very sincere attempt at an epic movie about Santa Claus, and... Those concepts don't didn't quite go together, especially not in the 1980s. On the other hand, well, the gross, however, I, I looked this up. Look, I did some comparisons on Wikipedia. It actually did better at the box office than some of the other Big Christmas 85 releases, such as Young Sherlock Holmes, which yep. was Paramount's Big Christmas Push, the Clue movie. It right. did a lot better than that. It's just that the budget was so gigantic. It was one of the most expensive movies made up to that point in a $50 million budget. So there was really, it would have had to be a much, much bigger hit than it was to get over that hump. But people did go to see
0: it. $50 and you couldn't get um, a Quaid, Stallone, like. I'm sorry, not to sound insulting to Dudley Moore, but it's not like his movie with Eddie Murphy, which I know is a crap shoot to begin with, and I don't think they actually appeared on screen together.
3: Uh, Best Defense, which is an awful movie. Mm-hmm. They don't appear on screen together because Murphy was only added right. in three shoots. Right, no. Although, I'm... there was a scene where they met up that was going to be like the epilogue. Okay. I, there there were press stills from it. Mm. They were shot. But... Uh, and it's kind of a pity too because one reason Murphy mainly did that for the paycheck cuz Paramount offered him a lot of money for it to come in for a few days but he was also a fan of Dudley Moore's work he he, he knew from the work he did with Peter Cook and, oh, the and Clive stuff yes especially.
0: no it, everything up until Dudley Moore started act, got that role as a drunk uh was was got, was gold i
3: i don't think a lot of people now realize how big a deal arthur was in 1981 no no i I think it's fair and uh and it's sad because arthur is a wonderful movie and i kind of it was a huge thing it was one of the bigger movies in the early days of services like hbo they would run that movie a lot Mm.
2: it was
3: it was a huge deal, but it just kind of fell through the cracks in our cultural memory. And I think it's partially because all the cookie-cutter romantic comedies he did afterward got in the way. And also, tastes were changing. I mean, he was one of the last big stars to come out of the new Hollywood period, where you could have these plain or strange-looking people launch—be people that— it wasn't just the people who wanted to see them; they did th- they would find them attractive. And I mean, remember Elliot Gould was a huge deal for a few years. Oh well, hey, no, Elliot—plain-looking people by our contemporary standards.
0: Oh, I don't know. There was something rather charming to Elliot Gould, and I think even all the way back to MASH. So
3: yeah, no, I see why Elliot Gould was a big deal. Yeah, too.
0: but um, but as I say, fifty million dollars, and your biggest star is Dudley Moore.
3: They paid him $4 million. That was a huge fee at the
0: time. Yes. No, like, I'm just saying there's a lot of...
3: Part of it was they were trying... They wanted to do what they'd done with Superman and go with someone who wasn't, who wasn't a huge name to play your Santa.
0: Right, I get... Puddlestone. Huddleston. Yeah, no, I get that. But, like, this is... Um...
3: For those who don't know, this film is from the same people who produced the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, the Salkinds. And they were basically just trying to apply what had worked with that series to a movie about Santa Claus. When you know this, some of it makes more sense.
0: Well, if you don't have DC or Marvel creating the superhero comic before him, yeah. you shouldn't have taken this on.
3: You do know that the Kinds have really wanted to work with Dudley Moore. Oh, no, I... But first...
0: Well, This he... sounds like the broccoli's hiring George Lazenby. Like, okay, it's... I get it.
3: But with Moore, um, they'd originally want... The original concept for Superman 3 was they were going to have Superman go up against Brainiac and Mr. Mitzelpick. They wanted more to play Mr. Mitzelpick. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see that Oh, part, no, right?
0: I, I could see that, but... But
3: they ran into uh, budget restrictions that... Kept that from going forward. Also, the plot was supposed to involve Supergirl, and they decided we'd like to give her her own movie. And interestingly, the reason Peter Cook plays a secondary villain in Supergirl is because, again, they wanted more, but by that point, at that point, Moore wasn't able to do it. And he was the one who suggested maybe they should go with Peter Cook instead.
0: That's oh, just good to no, the relationship wasn't that sour by that point. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean... So we basically, from 1985, Santa Claus, the movie, I can't think of a Santa movie.
3: The one everybody forgets is the one Disney did at the same time. that came out oh. the same week as Santa Claus, the movie called One Magic Christmas. Hmm. I haven't seen this one, but I have read the synopsis. And it's uh, Mary Steenburgen who okay. is a harried mom. Her dad, her husband has lost his job. And although he has an idea for opening his own business, she's not sure it's gonna work and that he shouldn't try and get the loan from the bank. And she's just so hairy trying to make ends meet because she's working as a supermarket cashier, she's lost her Christmas spirit. And Hey,
0: we got De- Harry Dean Stanton and Elias Codius in it. So I, I, that's a, that's, those are two some winning elements as well.
3: Well, Harry Dean Stanton plays a guardian angel who's looking after this family. And on Christmas Eve, in part, in part because of the mother's sour attitude, some horrible things happen. In that uh, the dad gets shot and killed in a bank robbery the children get kidnapped and almost perish the angel steps in here and from there they've got to fi- they have to go get they take a trip to the north pole and meet up with santa what it all comes down to is they have to get the mom to get her christmas spirit back cuz if they can do that things will be put can be put to rights and a lot of critics saw this and thought this is way too dark for a kitty Christmas movie because it went out with a G. Yeah, and that uh, some critics were straight up who the were asking who the hell casts Harry Dean Stanton as your guardian angel? Did
0: That's they insane. not pay attention to New Hollywood? Of course, you cast <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton as your guardian angel.
3: It does because uh, you know he's. Uh, kind of a scuzzy doo, you know,
0: that is the that chart one. like here uh so this is actually we're in this kind of christmas spirit um thing so uh one of the movies i watched to prepare for this podcast ended up being the polar express um yeah. and it's it's a fine movie I, it's a good movie maybe maybe even great um i do think that you can have too much eddie deason dialogue <laughs> um and uh it's weird that uh we don't have any black elves like tony cox is our one black elf um and um but uh in that movie is about making sure you believe in the christmas spirit right. santa claus primarily and i and i appreciate tom hanks doing all these roles for it mm-hmm. uh glad that peter already got to fill in some yeah, mocap no, yeah um but uh when we got to the hobo uh it sounded to me like we did they get tom waits for this movie
2: yes
0: (laughs) Uh, that kind of killed it for me like i wanted tom the thought of that just made me want tom waits for every voice tom waits santa claus you know it's um and and i don't need musical numbers i will take the hot chocolate musical number But I did not need, like, dude, the kid's lonely. We don't need a song.
3: Okay. <laughs> I didn't mind that too much. But then it goes back to an interesting point, because if there is one thing that One Magic Christmas and Santa Claus the Movie do, is they do play the idea of Santa Claus pretty straight. Yeah. You know, this great force for good. Uh, Which I could transition
0: and, to another movie I watched for this, but we'll, well little, little the holes. thing is,
3: I don't think we had another movie that Played the whole Santa idea that seriously again, discounting that Miracle on 34th Street was a remake in Before, yeah. until the Polar Express in 2004. Mm-hmm. Polar Express is interesting because you do have to get past the main thing you do have to get past is. Zemeckis jumped into mocap a little too soon. I, I
0: think it was a great experiment in mocap. Yeah. I loved, like, I would, This is something like, yeah, I would have gone to the IMAX release of this I'm for told, some of those effects.
3: You that it's almost a totally different experience if you see the IMAX 3D version. Yeah, and I do think I think it's an excellent film, and it's probably as close. If there's one thing. A lot of American animation studios, Pixar might be the most obvious, has been trying to emulate since the turn of the millennium, trying to do something along the lines of Studio Ghibli production, get that kind of acclaim, but I really think the Polar Express got closer to the actual tone and feel of a Ghibli film than anybody else's attempts have. i don't really watch as many animated features as i used to not new ones and i know pixar especially when they were working at their height often kind of shot for that and came close a few times with something like up but i think the polar express gets closer to the actual feel and approach of a ghibli film than anybody else did
0: well let's say a miyazaki ghibli film um like, I don't know, Takahata, like... No, I don't see um, Grave of the Fireflies and Polar Express. No, but or Pompoko, you know. Yeah, it's that.
3: definitely more Miyazaki-style right? Takahata's. Although, if you look at the lighter films, Takahata did. Yes. Yeah. But... Now, let's go back to the 80s. Okay. One uh, Magic Christmas Comes and Goes. Santa Claus the movie comes down goes down as an embarrassment. Although, it had a... And I've always felt one thing that's always worked against Santa Claus the movie is that all the video transfers in the 80s were awful.
0: No, it was the time of pan and scan.
3: Not just that. It was very poor quality print. Very muddy. Compared to what Anchor Bay brought out at the turn of the millennium and that Lionsgate now has the rights to it. And their prints on DVD, it's not just that they're widescreen, it's that they have much better picture quality. Mm -hmm. Whereas, it took a long time for commercial TV to give up on the old soft VHS print.
0: Yeah.
3: And that makes the movie look cheaper than it was. But, it's interesting is that its TV afterlife in the UK was quite a bit more, to the point that John Lithgow... A year or two ago, I was interviewed by the AV Club, and he said, "Didn't really enjoy working on Santa Claus the movie. Didn't really think much of it. You know, it was this just huge lumbering production to work on. But he says it's about half of what he's known for in the UK is Santa Claus the movie because that was very pop. It was is very popular on UK television. Yeah,
0: they may have felt a little offended by his British accent and cliffhanger." yes just yeah, a suggestion so
3: that's a, i found that was interesting to find out
0: all right but we're at 85 and i can't really think we brought santa back till little, you know richard attenborough was yeah, well he,
3: we, we haven't had a straight we don't get a straightforward santa for a while because the next big christmas movie i can think of offhand and it's the one that you were trying to track down because it doesn't go up on disney plus until this friday as we're recording Mm-hmm. is Ernest saves christmas in 1988
0: right Yep. Yeah. and um but so i remember I'm watching that over and over, again, and over and over again and over yeah, and over again in christmas and buffalo and yeah in 89 and this
3: and, was right after that was i remember in sixth grade that was the movie they showed everybody again just before we all broke for vacation yeah and somebody got the vhs of Ernest saves Christmas, and then
0: so to so we're gonna report these public. Um, I'm not afraid of it. I mean, you did not care for Morton High School, nor did I. The Morton Element, the Morton School District Seven O Nine. There's been a lot of unauthorized public <laughs> showings of your movies, people. I think it's t- technically private screening. It's public like school. <laughs>
3: You know, Ernest saves Christmas. I
0: just want to say with that uh, comment of mine uh, now Bad Santa I pretty much watched at a um, at R- the bar called Richards. that was pretty much the Monday thing um, what oh no I think it was a Wednesday night thing so our uh, bartender Rich, not the Richards uh, would go and buy movies on Tuesday and he'd show them at the bar on on the big screen TV there on mm-hmm. Wednesday. And that was back in the heyday of Peoria. So there would be about 10 people. So, okay. Um, so that's why bass Santa won't get too much talk on this. Because um, I didn't watch it. I mean, I, I need the rewatch of that. But I, I think it does more for the Santa Claus. In, I mean, it's a better Christmas movie than um, a lot of stuff. It's just Because yeah. we. It, it is a man who finds his spirit of Christmas.
3: Yeah, uh, so- Claus movie, but Ernest Saves Christmas is interesting because it was a minor success in theaters. But yeah, and it's it the same also, kind of pre-
0: premise. We're trying to create the new Santa, right? And then Actually, that brings. It's yeah.
3: one of the first movies to go with the idea that Santa is not one person, but it's a role you pass down.
0: Right. That's what James Bond is. Screw the broccoli <laughs> if they tell you otherwise. Like. Idris Erva should be the next James Bond, just so we can get a proper remake of *Live and Let Die*.
3: I mean, we don't. It seems like so much of what *Ernest Saves Christmas* does has since been copied, and especially direct to DVD, not TV Christmas movies. There have been a ton that have used the "Let's pay." We have to find a successor for Santa Claus.
0: Right. Movies. No, the Santa Claus franchise is.
3: Or, yeah, San- or, yeah, the Disney Santa Claus films. Took this in even goofier direct, Just as goofier
0: direction. I've only seen the first two. And I can say at least they were good.
3: Like, Um, Ernest Saves Christmas does still play the Santa idea straight. But once you switch it to Tim Allen, it starts getting goofier.
0: Well, because the the star of the Ernest Saves Christmas is Ernest. Yeah. Um, And he's he's trying to bump somebody up into accepting the mantle. And ruin Vern's life. Like... I stop and try like it I really wanted to see it just because yeah, no, that was pretty shot She made. Like um did we have any um uh what do you, did we have any dollies for the cameras to be on? I'm just saying it's kind of like a network TV, at least from my memory, but
3: yeah, but well,
0: and you know it's like Ernest was making money all the way through. Maybe not uh, Ernest Rides Again, which was fun. I mean, I think I think we had to call bull as an Anglophile. I'd have to call bullshit on Ernest being King of England for a brief moment. Spoiler alert! Like, why didn't we get more Ernest movies? And then he went to Africa, and like, yep, now yeah, we shot it. So, but. Ernest was meant to be a white hero. A white savior. Like, no, no, no. We're what now I'm done.
3: And then you look at right the same in the same time as Ernest Saves Christmas, we had the first feature adaptation of a Christmas Carol in a while. Yeah. For the Theatrical market, depending on how you feel about the 1984 George C. Scott version. Which I
0: think is regarded by if you're not into the original to so the 1950s version, wasn't it?
3: 1951. Yeah. Sim version.
0: Right. If that's not your your go-to, usually yeah, the George C. Is, if Scott. If
3: that's not your go-to, it, and you're not going to count like the Muppet version.
0: Millennials <laughs> love the shit out of the Muppet version.
3: Oh, it is hugely popular in the UK. That
0: particular version. I I just thought it was a like after like Mickey is my Christmas Carol. I I, I know that makes me sound like a philistine, and I just didn't need all this like bit, like it, it like boom bang bang bang. I I I like the haste of Mickey's. I didn't really need like okay, no no I don't think we need a song here. No uh, no. Uh, so that's that's my my take on it. Michael Caine, awesome in everything. I mean, I think you can say that. No, I have not watched Jaws: The Revenge. At least not from beginning to the end. I see the ridiculous murder of the first first um, Brody kid. Oh, my arm's bitten off. I'm gonna go to the other side and pull myself over. on like oh, um, I guess that would count as a Christmas movie uh or maybe a warped easter of martin martin brody's kid ch- devoured for our sins on a holiday.
3: but uh yeah so. what's interesting is the jersey sky christmas carol aired as a tv movie in this country yes but it was apparently meant to go to theaters in the uk at least because that's how it played out there and you can actually see it mm-hmm. it does definitely have show some budget limitations but my my friend my boyfriend david that's His favorite version is the George C. Scott. And I can see, it's easy to see why. Because it's kind of neat to see Scott's approach to the character. Because he's like the only American in the cast, but he holds himself very well with the accent and everything. But also, you like this Scrooge from the beginning, even if he's a total cynic and grump. I remember reading Entertainment Weekly once. I would probably
0: appreciate it more when my first George C. Scott experience was. Doctor Strange Love, or How I Learned to Quit Worrying, Stop Worrying, and Love the Bomb.
3: Yeah, well, Entertainment Weekly once said that one of the reasons How the Grinch Stole Christmas works so well as a story is because Dr. Seuss knew that, quoting this writer, even kids can get ambivalent about Christmas (laughs) at times, Um. and that's. And, you know, even kids can get a little cynical. It's part of why Charlie Brown Christmas works. And this, the Dorsey Scott Christmas Carol kind of gets on that, too, where you can understand why you'd look at it in a cynical way, but then you can still be softened up by it. Mm-hmm. And that makes it really enjoyable to watch. It's something you can really follow even through all the familiar story beats. And it's also one of the more book-faithful adaptations. Now uh, the Alistair Sim version from the 50s is excellent. I can see why that's the Jim Carrey's performance in the Robert Zemeckis mocap version, it's really a riff on that performance. The Alistair Sim one. That's an interesting film too. Again, you do have to get jump past the mocap and some of the. If you haven't seen this, the Jim Carrey version. It does, he also plays the, all the ghosts, most of the ghosts. Okay, now, now, now you're selling it to me. Past, I... present, future. And uh, past is a little goofy in how they realize it, even though it's being, it's a straight. The thing about the... Carrie Christmas Carol is that Disney was kind of deceptive with the marketing and made it look more like a comedy than it is because yeah. it's one of the darker versions you'll see. Oh, totally. well, then, again, you're 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 especially selling it, when they get to the end of the present segment and then go into future, it get it gets very dark, and that works very well. It's just and the movie was popular, but yeah think it's well,
0: once you creep out of one child the parents are gonna let people know yeah um so yeah so we got into the 90s and as i say i think you throw judge reinhold in a in a uh, christmas movie so i'll, I'll stand for the, the santa claus maybe not the sequel because again just unnecessary i've
3: never seen the sequel I, I thought,
0: thought I thought you strong. went to I thought you were dragged out to the second one.
3: I wasn't uh, by
0: that point. Okay. Well, so I, the second the second one like once you have Evil like Robot by that point. <laughs> when was the second one?
3: Like 2002. God
0: damn, why did I go? Like that's something I shouldn't I guess I wanted popcorn. <laughs> and here's here's a hot take. Microwave popcorn tastes better than movie theater popcorn. Or at least I can fix it, right? I don't know.
3: Yeah, but you know we're kind of getting more into goofy franchise Christmas movies by this yes.
0: point. Yes, and I think now this you know, totally were
3: the Home Alone sequel, right? Now they've done done a distance sequel with this new Disney Plus yep.
0: film, which is it honestly it, the the premise pretty solid, honestly. If you're gonna do this chat, um, chat,
3: I've heard some pretty divisive thoughts about how well it works mainly because, i didn't say
0: it was gonna work i'm yeah. just saying it looks like they got it they got it
3: set trying to find a new angle on
0: it right uh makes more sense than spies <laughs> what
3: of what other Chris, christmas movies the 90s
0: to think. reindeer games
3: i did like they they brought that was like turn of the millennium, really, but yeah. I remember how they did work that into the roof tracks. You It lot. fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, well, no, that's just it. Um, you got your overly franchise stuff, and then otherwise, I can't really think of too much Christmas. Well,
3: one other movie, Love, actually, is pretty heavily Christmas. Yes, no, and and I, it doesn't quite work
0: oh i'm you probably wouldn't dig about time i love richard curtis i've even turned around on the boat that rocks or pirate radio i don't
3: know i with curtis i do think the tall guy is one of the best things jeff goldblum's done that most people don't know about that was his first screenplay and it's and but that's one of those movies because possibly because it was a Miramax pickup in 1990, although it was made in 89. Uh, it's very seems to be very hard to find right now, despite the fact that it's Emma Thompson's first movie. She had just made the jump for television comedy. And it's Rowan Atkinson mocking himself, basically. Mm. <laughs> it's got... And uh, Goldblum's terrific. I mean, it's, this is a great... This is from that wonderful... Underseen period between the fly and jurassic park where he was just doing all sorts of stuff and often playing the lead and he was doing a lot of stuff in europe (laughs) and some of it's just wonder wonderfully crazy and goofy and the tall guy is one of the best of those and it is very hard to find right now (laughs) and it's such a shame
0: well uh love actually at least gave us um a great later Family Guy episode where Peter goes and tries tries to live up and fight Liam Neeson. No, you're your your bit your bit from the love actually was the weakest. You take
3: that back.
0: No child could learn how to drum that well that quickly.
3: Ah! That, that segment at least tried, but there but for all the stuff
0: I think the... I dug the Hugh Grant stuff. I dug... Uh, I mean... That's kind it, of cute. Yeah, it's it's a little... The the um, Keira Knightley-centric one is a little...
3: That made me uncomfortable.
0: No, I... Uh, no, look, I, I've, I've known way too many girls who have been dating way too many older men. Like, no, this isn't too... This is normal, sadly.
3: I kept... What, the weakest segment is the one involving the guy who goes to america i was waiting for the other shoe to drop and it never
0: did i i thought it dropped fine it was like hey we're giving denise richards a prestige kind of feature um but bill Knight, uh, Nye, bill Nye stuff is brilliant no nice
3: stuff <laughs> might be the best thread in the movie
0: that's it's the most fun i yeah. i'm i don't
3: know i it, i'm gonna... it's it, Partially, it might be the most British, because there really is a huge, still is a huge deal trying to get the Christmas number one. Yes, yeah. (laughs) For those who don't know, in the UK, where here in the US, we mainly content ourselves with the same old Christmas songs year after year. In the UK, everybody wants to get the song that's the number one on the charts over Christmas week. And it used to be that they were often seasonal songs. A lot of the
0: time it was just the British Got Talent or... that
3: That's what it became in the past 10 years or so. Except... Like it was whoever won the X Factor. would Okay. The big charity single. But of course, that would be with the express intent of getting the Christmas number one.
0: Right. And Rage Against the Machine successfully yeah, knocked that, that,
3: that off. Fam- famously, the Rage Against the Machine fans decided to stack the odds in their favor with uh killing in the name specifically one that's year.
0: The, the the one track um that is the track you introduce people to um rage against the machine with. but i yeah, mean, in I w- the 90s
3: it used to be in like up through the 80s it would usually somebody would do something explicitly christmas themed Cliff richard had a few hits that way mm. but then in the 90s, it became more novel, more likely to be maybe a novelty song. The Bob the Builder theme song, when that show first t- took off, was number one for that year, if I remember correctly. Oh, can we fix it? Yeah, the Spice Girls had three number ones in a row during that period for Christmas, when they were at their height. Like, 1995, it boiled down to, was it going to be the Beatles' as Free as a Bird, the posthumous... Yeah uh, off number off the, yeah, um, the anthology. anthology one. one, yeah. Or was it gonna be Michael Jackson's Earth song? <laughs> and the latter one.
0: Oh
3: yeah.
0: No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean As I say, I have not watched the Pharaohs versus Pharaoh versus Allen. Because I kind of fear that I'm in a position where my stance is on Woody is still not gonna change. This is all litigated back in the nineties. He was proved; he was exonerated. Move on. Um, that's my stance. Now I'm not gonna deny it's it's a weird situation, I guess, because with Allen still being alive and I want to see Woody Allen movies, I, I, I kinda don't want them to be canceled. And while Michael Jackson is, you know. Um, we're still waiting on you. Every Halloween, we go to the we go to the graveyards and just waiting. Wh- where's the thriller dance going to happen? It's like Linus is Linus want, needs his great pumpkin, Michael Jackson. You could be that. Um. So, yeah, it's just but so you're going to have so it just with Michael Jackson, you have people who are actually. Trying to go to bat for like his later, his post dangerous stuff. And I'm being very generous to dangerous. Because that's not anything compared to bad. Yeah,
3: I'm surprised that we haven't seen more of a push because it just turned 30. But, uh, yeah. But maybe it's a good thing because no,
0: it's. Right. No, we have to start reevaluating Michael Jackson if you like it or not. Yeah.
3: Um, well, well there are people reevaluating Michael Jackson, but it's almost exclusively positively. Y- That's what's
0: going on y- no. in the yeah. uh, so. you
3: you're gonna find there are a lot of people out there arguing for uh, re- oh, and, uh, positive reevaluations I, I, of the post bad material. That was the fame famous uh book of essays on famous rock pop. Mm. albums uh, 33 and the third paperback essay series like, okay yeah i think if i remember correctly uh the bowie album they did is low the michael jackson one is all about dangerous is the one they picked out
0: <laughs> well i mean black and white's a banger so i mean black if or...
3: you cut out the entire introduction
2: i
0: I don't. know, It's been a long time since I listened to Dangerous. Um, yeah, that's really all I can say. Like I you know, remember the time is pretty good. Yeah. We're gonna. We're if we keep if we keep talking about it, we're gonna end up doing the Family Guy Barry Man a little bit. Well <laughs> uh, you can't. You can't really fault Mandy. Yeah. And uh, Copacabana is always fun when it comes on. Mm-hmm.
3: Now, I'm looking at, you know, more recent Christmas films and of looking up the Freeform listings on Twitter. Because, you know, Freeform... Yeah. ...has... Probably the, has the most popular of these... Give Let's it. run a it, bunch of movies right. Cable Event that aren't the original movies like Hallmark and Lifetime do. It, it's but,
0: strictly a millennial thing again. Oh Gen Z, I think, in this case. Because, yeah. um, like... I had to explain, if you listen to the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas podcast with Allie from yeah. Allie's Accessory Shop on Etsy, I had to explain what Freeform is. It was the family channel.
3: Yeah. And it was ABC, ABC, family.
0: ABC Family. Like, So we're slowly getting rid of the Christian crap. <laughs> and uh, Which is something I think might be disturbing that we've gone through an hour of Christmas mu- movie talk, and yet we haven't mentioned... Dare I say, the reason for the season?
3: Well, there just aren't a lot of movies on that topic.
0: So it's, so it's the exact opposite of the um, Jesus and Santa lounge act on South Park.
3: Yeah, sort of. Yeah. I mean, the, there have been plenty of movies about the whole span of Jesus' life, yes. of course. You know, the, your biblical epics. And right. Stuff that used to be a big deal, but you don't see a lot of mo- movies were special specifically about the Nativity. 'Cause there's yeah. much to it. Right. And now you know.
0: I did see an ad for a kitten nativity. And just yeah, just cats and all the roles. Is Jesus a kitty? Oh yeah, little orange one. And I was thinking for and I went on a rant right away at work about this. Doesn't this make more sense that God is a cat? It would explain why he's like he's just indifferent. That's why the world's in so much chaos. Not because he's mean or or hateful or spiteful. He's just napping. Natural disasters of just him knocking stuff off the shelves. Cats, like, Jesus is a joke. That's just a way to make make him relatable to us. Because we don't understand the godliness of cats.
3: Yeah, but if you look at the actual Christmas stuff Freeform now has with the 25 Days film, it basically runs down to a lot of the... Jim Carrey invented a Cumberbatch versions of The Grinch.
0: Which um, I did not uh, get around. I, I kind of felt like... I don't know. Needed. Um, I guess that's what my uh, binge was missing. was just a regular live-action Christmas movie. of mm-hmm. um, well, like,
3: they're kind of fairly long for your standards.
0: Well, you know, there is Elf, which clocks in just... Yeah. and that's what I, I, I trying to get the, around to. Yeah, I mean... It's 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 fun, it's Will Ferrell. at his Will list mm-hmm. which is probably why James Conn did not get along with him. That's like yeah. dealing with a, a Jim Carrey who's always on. Mm-hmm. Um no, I, And I mean I love you gotta love Ed Asner, Santa, Bob Newhart. I mean it hits every note. Yeah. Uh and Peter Dinklage. Um
3: It's going on twenty years at this point since the original. To yeah
0: 2003
3: right and you know i don't think we've had a really iconic theatrical christmas film since then depending on how you feel about polar express yeah because otherwise you know you get like the benedict cumberbatch grinch was a hit right but that's a story we all know already
0: yeah um so that's so otherwise it just brings me to okay maybe it's me lacking in the christmas spirit I'm pulling myself towards movies that mock the entire thing of Christmas. My mask, the mask I'm wearing right now is Christmas is. N- it's hold on, I have to uh, read it. Okay, I don't know why it's an eight-bit Alec Alan Rickman, but X Men uh, Xmas starts when Hans Gerber falls from Nakatomi Plaza, <laughs> and that is a Christmas movie because it's a guy trying to get home to his family on Christmas. Not so much Die Hard two,
3: and and that's it's funny because some of
0: like Mom was telling me she thinks eh, you know you know Lethal Weapons can count as a Christmas movie yeah. like that's
3: one of, one of the next screen drafts they're going to do for December is going to be Christmas adjacent.
0: Movies. Okay, and I'd, I'd say that now. Yeah, Gremlins Once is
3: Shane Black likes Christmas. Look at the long kiss, good night.
0: You see, I want. So I almost picked. I almost picked that one up on iTunes. But again, we're we're talking about movies that are pretty much like, yeah, Christmas exists as a backdrop. It's like
3: Shame Black likes using that backdrop. Yeah, and yeah. in Long Kiss Goodnight, at least he does it very well.
0: Oh well, no, and I'm not saying he does it poorly, but it's kind of like Christmas should be like outer space. I think for a lot <laughs> of franchises now, like horror movies. Okay, um, I don't think we can really do anything more with Leprechaun or Pinhead. Yeah, just shoot him in the space. <laughs> and I'm thinking, where's my Terminator Christmas movie? Uh, let's just give you know, we, it, oh, could you imagine it? the musical numbers or a Santa? And I guess you'd have to say the original Rabbit. Yeah, that's, that's a Christmas true. ruined. <laughs> that's um, definitely true. So, but otherwise, like. As you said, Christmas adjacent movies, and
3: and what, what other movie was I thinking of that is pretty Christmas centric? It's kind of
0: something's through. been slipping my mind, and it's not Iron Man three.
3: No, yeah, i was <laughs> Shane Black again, anyway. So, uh, but looking at you were talking about cynicism, mm. and that is definitely something that a lot of the more recent kids' Christmas movies do seem to be struggling with. I mean, it goes back at least as far to how the Jim Carrey Grinch tries to handle things.
0: Yeah, that's another reason why I didn't watch the um, Jim lot? Carrey's Christmas Carol, because maybe I'll have to blame Robot Chicken, like <laughs> the episode where the nerd's trying to save Christmas yeah. and ends up fe- facing the Grinch. Oh, no, not the Grinch from that <laughs> crappy Jim Carrey movie. Oh, what's, one, what's the difference?
3: You rave our childhood. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah.
3: He he is not the problem with that movie.
0: Look, I'm more than willing to blame Molly Shannon for any bad movie.
3: She doesn't have that much to do. Now, uh, I liked the Jim Carrey Grinch at the time. But it is a noisy movie. It doesn't have a great visual aesthetic. The approach to the adult who's is really weird in terms of the visual. And it does... We have become, it's one of the first movies that got obsessed with trying to come up with backstories for villains that Mm. we didn't, or just strange characters in general that we do not need.
0: Right, right.
3: And, I mean, you can't let the characters just exist as is.
0: (laughs) So it's, um... I'm just trying to figure out how did you get to see that movie opening weekend because we went drove out we, to see it and it was sold out.
3: I did not expect the movie that movie would be as huge as it was because Carrie had what had not.
0: Yeah, it he, was kind
3: of on. It, he he hadn't had a huge hit since *Liar Liar* at that point. The *Truman Show* was big, but that wasn't really a conventional. Film,
0: right, and and, and no I think he alienated not. his audience by doing you know that the prestige pictures, yeah,
3: but. You know, Grinch was huge. No, I wound up seeing it at a Sunday matinee. Okay. I just got into the theater for it, being alone. And I will say that of all the... It is actually one of my favorite movie-going experiences ever because the kids in the audience were totally into it. Yeah, okay. In a way that I've rarely seen. <laughs> but it is a very, very flawed film, and I can see why people absolute there are people who absolutely abhor it and i'm kind of surprised it's had the staying power it has because it does pop up on tv pretty frequently this time of year like freeform currently runs it along with now the cumberbatch version Mm -hmm. which isn't that much better regarded from what i'm told i have not seen that version it sounds like it kind of falls into some of the same problems
0: yeah i i gotta i gotta support the um the crew the crew from Jersey. Mm.
3: Uh,
0: since it was Scott Mosher, who was a, at least a co-director on it. Right. Um, so, but when it comes... So, as I said, I ended up watching Christmas adjacent movies. I guess you'd actually say Santa Sleigh starring Bill Goldberg as Santa Claus, who had just gotten out of his million years, his thousand years of giving joy after losing a curling match against an angel. Like... If you get too many people quoting Elf, and believe me, since my bank wants to do Elf as our Christmas picture, mm-hmm. um, it's going to... i I got to deal with it. Um, seeing James Caan immediately attacked by Santa mm-hmm. get his hands impaled onto the table as he Santa turns around and sets Fran Drescher's head on fire with some sherry and then drowns her in some eggnog. Just booting the crap out of Chris Catan, killing the dog, which is always good for a movie. I am going to stand by that, and then, um, you know, killing. Uh, you know, it's it's fun. It it's it's could have done. I mean, Brett Ratner's got his name attached to it, which kind of like I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't put the producer credits in the interduct in the um, opening credits now.
3: Now, talking about other so, Christmas movies we've missed,
0: mm,
3: um, of course, one that did okay at the time but really took off might be National Lampoon's Christmas
0: Oh, yeah. No, that's. 89. Right. And that's like. I think that's really like the first true PG 13 rated movie we, our parents knew or, or treated as a PG 13 rated movie. Yeah. Because I'm saying like, mom just wanted. Batman. Mom wanted to see Batman. Yeah. It's like. You haven't seen the commercials. This is not the Batman I've been watching on Family Channel.
3: Yeah.
0: That was just a violent movie. Now, one of our best Christmas movies of the 90s was Batman Returns. And
3: then, uh, but know, and yes, Tim that Bird's that was the PG-13 those, movie Tim that Bird pissed mom the off. of Christmas. Yes, because we also have Edward Scissorhands, mm-hmm. which is finally coming to Disney Plus next mm-hmm. month. And...
0: Right, and A Nightmare Before Christmas, yeah. obviously.
3: Right, and those are but those aren't really conventional Christmas no, movies. No,
0: uh, no, a...
3: they took a while to catch on. I mean, right, Nightmare but before we Christmas did well.
0: Yeah, but... no, as as I said on that podcast, like again, it was kind of like how Matilda's got its fan base, and yeah. it's like it's our. <laughs> All the goths come screaming, saying, Mm -hmm. it's ours. We have something. It's 1993. No, you're nerds. Get away. (laughs) Boo. Shoot, shoot, (laughs) shoot. Don't buy that Hot Topic stuff. Why can't I get some good pleather? I can get myself some good Jack Skellington bollocks, but (laughs) no pleather. (laughs) So, yeah, otherwise, I mean, I watched the um, ref this week, which was fun. I mean, I think we didn't need Dennis Leary in that movie i mean it's like we had a good marriage marriage um canceling move, counseling movie and then it's like and let to all right so what are we gonna do to officiate everything oh we're just gonna let dennis leary improv (laughs) improv his bits and it's not worked out bits (laughs) it's not his stand-up special it's not his 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 like it's at least it's you know it's Dennis Leary and not Bill Hicks. Yeah. Okay. But no, I mean it's kind of like I just wanted Kevin Spacey and and Judy Davis talking for B, with B D Wong for an hour and a half. I would have probably enjoyed that movie more. I mean, it'd be an excellent one act play. Not that many people for Kevin Spacey to rate. But damn. You know.
3: And then, and then it's interesting with what movies they marathon now. I'm not interested in all that content who stuff that you know lifetime and homework did. Well,
0: you know, if we weren't having problems with your fire stick recently, like I would say I was trying to tell dad, I don't think she needs a cable box <laughs> in the <laughs> cable box downstairs. I don't know like, That dad so, said so, you're, you're Doctor Who. Yeah, that,
3: that Yes, is, okay.
0: Uh, all right.
3: I mean I if, if I can figure... doesn't get it right away.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay.
3: Stuff like that. I mean, poor David, he had to, he has to watch it on his phone, because he didn't get the AMC Plus app, which handles the BBC America stuff, so he could see it right away, because he was frustrated having to wait so long. He
0: doesn't have a fire stick or anything? No, he he doesn't. He
3: tends to wait for DVDs, but now he does, you know, he's upgraded to a smartphone. So he has, he's subscribed to some of the streaming services.
0: Yeah, but, dude, watching it on, like, I know that's a that's a thing that my co-workers do all the time, and I just like, no, 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 no. I need it on a... I watch... The only thing I really watch at work is Seth Meyers, and get get through his uh closer look, and then that's... But,
3: but that's what some people do. I'm not going to begrudge them on that.
0: You can go to Best Buy this week and get a Fire Stick for tw- as low as
3: $20. But, uh... It's interesting that also, you know, I don't care for the content host stuff. Mm-hmm. It, I I know some people really love their Hallmark movies, but I, I have no room for that. I, I, you know, I like romances, but I don't like the kind of formulaic stuff you get in like your Harlequin books. And that's really that what was... these Hallmark and lifetime movies are and
0: and netflix now too
3: yeah netflix doing them a lot everybody's a lot of people are trying to get in on the act right uh like uh other cable channels like up or great american country and stuff are trying to do that um and you know i think it does you know it feels like you're either stuck with all this generic news stuff or you're recycling stuff from mostly the 90s onward, mm-hmm. 90s and 00s. Right, which, or, again,
0: further encourages me to watch Santa's Slay, Lethal Weapon, Die Hard.
3: You are looking for the more adjacent stuff, then.
0: Yeah, I'm just, like, it's, I, I, I know, like, we are treading pretty much over the same story over and over again. Yeah. Give, give me some little green monsters that scared the shit out of me for 32 years. Like, if I did not, if I wasn't dating Allie, I don't know if I would have gone to the art. I probably would have balled up and gone to the art theater watch watched Gremlins in mm-hmm. Champagne. But, um,
3: and also, it is interesting to see what movies get associated with Christmas despite having no obvious, no connection. Oh,
0: yeah, no, I am. That is something I did note. Why thing? the heck did Mad Max get less time than if mad max get less time than mumbles
3: <laughs> like or um uh, some of the movies that like disney with their freeform stuff while this year because amc bought the rights to a lot of stuff freeform used to show yeah and now runs the incessantly because uh amc you know they have
0: Elf right, I'm just glad Shutter is owned by AMC, so I kind of get it by vicariously. Movies.
3: And now they, and now they run all the vacation movies, like in mini marathons during this time of year. And then you look at the movies we kind of associate with the holidays that aren't holiday movies, and even adjacently, yeah, maybe like one minor scene, like well, as I say, Toy Story
0: all you have in Happy Feet is snow. Yeah, the- Toy Story you have the end of the first movie
3: yeah and the fact that it is about toys yes so that kind of makes sense or you have the frozen movies you probably throw the mighty set, well the first one is set in the summer and the second one is set in the fall
0: and and the christmas one canonizes Olaf. up, all up.
3: Yeah. i did
0: not need that I did not need that thirty-minute cartoon. You saw
3: that? Oh, you saw Coco, so you saw that short.
0: Yeah, first week. So saw Coco yeah, the first, first week, weekend.
3: People, yeah. like a week or two in, people got so mad they had to sit through the Frozen short. That
0: I mean, the kittens out. are cute, and I almost bought the Olaf holding the kittens <laughs> yeah. Funko Pop, but no.
3: <laughs> and I like uh, how, like, that, oh, I mean, the, the Mighty Ducks movies
0: are probably because they did. the... Rotation, it's funny to see like... that
3: they had to do the same thing. For those who don't know, Coco came out in Mexico first because okay. more directly tied to the Day of the Dead holiday.
0: Yeah, it makes sense.
3: And they included the Frozen short too. Oh, they, they were not interested. So people were spreading online. Okay, if you want to see the movie, but you don't want to sit through the short.
0: Here's your time stamp. Yeah,
3: and they did that in the U.S. too. So it became pretty clear that yeah. you have to do the same. So Disney just say, okay, we're not going to have the short anymore, and so and some people pointed out, did Disney do this because they figured nobody wanted to see a movie about Mexicans celebrating Dia de los Muertos? So let's put on a short about white girls celebrating Christmas.
0: Yeah, I mean um...
3: that'll lure people in. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't know. I never. I didn't know I was gonna walk into a bloody short.
3: That's the another thing. Like commercials say, there's gonna be. A like Rufson I knew Roger short.
0: Rabbit was gonna screw some shit up before I saw Dick Tracy.
3: Yeah, no. A lot of people were taken aback by the length of the Olaf short because yeah, it was supposed to be a television special.
0: Right. No, it's obviously twenty-two minutes. Like
3: yeah, <laughs> and Disney decided, no, we're gonna attach it to this movie. Yeah, and they didn't make that clear in the advertising, that it was going to be more like an added attraction, the way Mickey's Christmas Carol was, instead right. of. Right. Okay, let's hear the quick short. And
0: you, you put Pixar Mickey's movie. Christmas Carol ahead of a movie that was not a success in 1977.
3: Actually, The Rescuers was a big hit in 1977. I, it was I didn't, one of their bigger oh. hits. In a, well, I, I could see
0: it making of, more, money, but you know, more, remember, more money than Robin Hood, but. I dug my animals with southern accents hunting Brits.
3: Well that no, As uh, one of the thing that did keep Disney alive was because remember New Hollywood. And I just
0: knew about all of the, you know, we're not going babies. to we're not gonna paint the whites of the
3: yeah
0: character's eyes with the budget cuts at Disney, those stories yeah, on the rescuer. That,
3: that that drove away Don Blue. Yeah. And ironically, the final thing Don Blue finished for Disney was a Christmas short. Have you ever seen the small one? Uh,
0: I am familiar with it. it. I'm familiar I've with it. I it. have not paid enough attention to it. It's it probably built. seen it. It is on At Disney+. Disney Plus. Plus. It is, yes.
3: It's 25 minutes. They attached it to the 78 re-release of Pinocchio.
0: Oh, no. I I know. I'm, I'm aware of it. Um, and as I say, I just and, haven't uh, probably you know, paid much biggest, attention to it.
3: Yeah, and, I'm not the biggest Don Bluth fan, but that is a terrific short. It is very good. I mean... I mean, the basic story is there's a surprising number...
0: It's about the donkey, right?
3: Yeah, the donkey that ended up carrying Mm -hmm. Joseph and Mary Bethlehem. This is a little Mm backstory. The the boy who has to
0: sell I thought we were bad-mouthing the idea of backstories for characters that didn't need it.
3: That's a funny thing. As I said, the nativity is such a simple story that there have been a ton, it feels like, of different writers doing backstories for the donkey that carried Mary to Bethlehem. Uh, this one is based... Small one is based and on they're called Blasphemies the but... Sorry. small one's based on a story by... I think it's the same author who wrote the uh, story that used to be a, kind of a staple at Christmas time, especially in a community like ours, the littlest Angel.
0: Okay, I was about to go and say... Oh no, Patton Oswald covered that.
3: Now, that's the Christmas <laughs> That's totally different. Right? <laughs> yes. But, uh,
0: Definitely something to look up on YouTube, folks.
3: But there's also Nestor the Long-Eared Christmas Donkey. Yeah, it was um, a song from the Rudolph songwriters, actually, that Gene Autry recorded back in the 40s. It was always a lot more obscure. Rankin Bass did an animated special in 77. I think I'm 77. yeah Yes, there was a solo riff tracks with Michael J. Nelson. That was the first Christmas riff tracks ever. See, Nestor the
0: Long-Eared you, Christmas see, the Donkey. See, be, the best song about a donkey is lucky the luckiest donkey by punk band gutter gutter um, damn it uh, what are some gutter oh, my- mouth which I got to see them open open their set in Blooming- Bloomington a few years ago acoustically Yeah. And-, and it's a story about a donkey in Tijuana and we'll leave it at that
3: and uh, there was also a TV special around 1980 I think called little brown burrow they screened that once at my uh, well, church's Wednesday Wednesday night youth group on video. That was more of an indie production, and there. More recently, we had that animated feature, The Star. Yes, it's... I
0: didn't. I I didn't want to think about that one because that seemed way too much like. Um, what were they? What were those sketches called? Uh, those animated sketches that Robert Schmeichel did for um, Saturday Night Live.
3: The TV fun
0: House. Yes. The TV... Yeah, it was way too much like the TV Fun Funhouse uh, Titanic for me.
3: Yeah. Oh, uh... If you should look up the midnight screenings that Brad Jones and his buddies did for the star. Cause oh, gosh. When they get to... Oh, I won't spoil it for you, but it gets hilariously dark. <laughs> but... Not to say
0: that Brad Brad Jones is listening, but could you tell me the outro music to your show? Because I think the guys at Morbidly Macabre stole it, but (laughs) not to say that you actually own it. Just, Just to curious. So, yeah, I mean, I guess another movie you'd associate with Christmas right now would be The Shack
3: it's a winter themed story
0: yeah but i'm I'm just saying like that's the thing i'm saying well it's got
3: snow (laughs) but
0: uh um
3: but going back to all these different backstories for the donkey the the small one is excellent it does not anthropomorphize the animal
0: no no i knew that as i say i just probably haven't
3: just made with leftover Kind of leftovers in a way. It's uh, the boy is voiced by the same boy who played Elliot and Pete's Dragon, which Bluth had supervised the animation on. Right. Okay. And it's a side project he did, but it's a very good one. It's I mean it's Bluth, so it's willing to get a little dark. All right. And it has a very satisfying ending. It's simple, but it's definitely worth a look. No, as like you say you it's want, on... you want a short form. Christmas right show
0: and it's but, on disney plus as they say we you know this is a net podcast dedicated to sub not 100 minute movies
3: sometimes you need selected short subjects
0: oh no I, I i give it's you that minutes. look it you tell your story in as little amount of time as you need that's my theory so you need
3: as little or as long we've been ha- that's been a big debate on film twitter this past weekend again is Continued debates because we're we're gonna be seeing a lot of two and a half hour plus movies. We're going into awards season. Yes, and you know even the superhero movies are getting
0: Annie Hall is a hundred. It was an hour thirty, an hour thirty seven minutes. Come on, people.
3: But we're going into you know Spider Man No Way Home is like two hours forty minutes apparently.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm there for it. Um, I mean I'm more more pumped probably about res. Well, I really need to get it out to Afterlife and
3: um uh, or you know, and i'm more
0: like, pumped about raccoon city well, so
3: but you know there's a lot of complaining movies are getting way too long everybody you know we had this massive disappointment around the eternals
0: you see i still gotta watch i i got so much stuff i gotta watch i don't want no time die to be spoiled for me so i got to pause my screen drafts james yeah, don't,
3: bond don't let him spoil it for me
0: okay all right thank you i still gotta as i say i gotta still do the Eternals. I have faith in it. You got two Starks in it. I don't I'm know. going
3: David, you know my friend, my boyfriend. Uh, he's pretty high on the Marvel movies, but he's saying, you know, the whole phase 4 thing is just not." I don't
0: Marvel know. Is right. it, like what? Is...
3: He really likes the do du-
0: That's Dune another one. I mean, Dune part 1.
3: That's yeah. one I still need to get to cuz I have it's
0: out of HBO Max, Max for for, a for a a brief... Days, yeah. But... Well, no, I'm just saying it's going to be like It'll be back and yeah, I know um, it's gonna be bad two months, but, but yeah, you
3: know if the people I trust really been high on that one, you know, and they're ones who, you know some of them really like the Lynch
0: version. Yeah, they're no, I really, I really, too. I really like my Sting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will. It's a, but, if it's a mystery. It's a riff, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'll
3: kill you. I will kill you. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah. but you know that's nice to hear. But also, then you see people complaining that. Steven Spielberg's got the West Side Story adaptation. Yes. And that's going to be two and a half hours. And he's
0: saying, well, it's a music. It's a bloody yeah. musical.
3: Say, yeah, I was asking. Somebody to point out. That was when the old movie was.
0: Yes. I, movie. I, I, The closer in time to the original, the better.
3: I mean, I don't. I'm always, by nature, I'm a little more willing to go to a shorter movie than a longer movie first. But there are many longer movies that justify their runtime. Yes. I just think right now we are kind of running into a situation where it seems like everybody wants to go longer because it's more bang for the buck, you know, ticket prices or well, have not kept within yeah, seven I I don't
0: know. I like next year. Even
3: animated movies are right. stretching it. Like yeah. Like, Tangled and Frozen are, like, 100, 105 minutes. Yeah, and Kato, well... which comes out this week, is 99. You spider done a lot more quickly.
0: Well, Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse is over two hours. Uh,
3: let me double-check though. I
0: think 205. One of those movies I own and have not watched. Um, no, it, it, it's like... Um...
3: Uh, into the spider verse is
0: uh 117
3: oh so it's mm-hmm. not that long and i'm eight minutes case, off <laughs> granted a little more
0: well no it's leeway, it's, it's 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 yes you gotta not, yes i just
3: don't see why something like frozen or Encanto no. has to be even that 90 and Encanto,
0: 99 minutes is not totally
3: i know you chop off some up uh, stuff for the end credits. Right.
0: Though is something like I think I might have to do versus a theme for next year's um, 90 for chill. Like cuz I watched a recently rented uh I got a soft spot for Paul W.S. Anderson and a hard spot for Mela Jovovich. Um sorry, it just seemed like the appropriate joke. The mm. the inappropriate the appropriate inappropriate joke. Um and then it's like okay and Damn, there's still nine minutes left of this. All right. Show off the fighting cat. Okay, there's still eight minutes left of this. And yeah, I sat through eight minutes of credits. So, yeah, the, there's a lot of movies. Like, if you don't give me a stinger, I'm not sticking around for the credits.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, It's just that I don't know how some of these movies get to being this long when the stories are not that complicated or interesting. No, no. Um, like, with Wonder Woman 1984, I, I have not seen it. Why is it 150 minutes long? I couldn't
0: tell you. It's just, I, I haven't seen it either.
3: I've, I've, I've read the plot synopsis and I'm thinking, I don't see why this is 150 minutes. Look,
0: if you need an hour to explain how we got the 1984 no no she just lived the 1984 no I can't help you
3: well, it's not even that. they don't have to ex- explain time setting. They...
0: well look look at it this way and um listen up DC and Warner Brothers have you given me now granted you've done two-part movies like um Recently, with the Black Friday deals at Best Buy, I had uh, purchased um, the Long Halloween Part 1 and Part 2, $6 each, Blu-ray. They got you extra cartoons on it, so that's something HBO Max can't deliver. Actually, they probably do. You just have to go and look for them. Sorry, I'll take the convenience of having... um, Which one did I buy? Oh, um, Batman and Harley Quinn, the team up. And like, oh, so these two Harley Quinn themed Batman the Animated Series are just immediately on hand? Cool. So um, the point of the matter is, one part is always ninety minutes <laughs> at the most. Right. So how they, how they do that? Never mind. This is based off a comic book. You should know how comic books work. Now talk. They're like, one one issue is like 12 minutes long, if you really break it down.
3: And now you look at, what, what was I thinking of? But let's turn it back to Christmas adjacent. Okay. Not, not even Christmas adjacent, but movies we tend to associate watching at Christmas. Yeah. Even if they're not Christmas themed. I think both... I think a lot of Raw doll movies fall under that yeah
0: no you know, well, Matilda well,
3: tends to show up a lot
0: oh never mind Between Charlie and the Chocolate Factory
3: yeah. adaptations even more the Burton version because that is set in winter which is when the original novel was set
0: right as they say snow kind of
3: yeah snow snow means a lot and uh, what other movies uh, Wizard of Oz often pops. yeah but oh not yeah that's to pop up on TBS you know now yeah no, there's this something about that kind of family fantasy that seems to work better at Christmas time than
0: anything. Well, it's just because Christmas. we're stuck with our bloody family.
3: It could be that. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, Labyrinth, when it came out in the U.S., it flopped pretty badly back in '86. But internationally, a lot of countries got it at Christmas time, such mm-hmm. as the U.K., well, it's a, and it, it did a lot better
0: and it's it's a it's a got a family vibe to it like finding who you you, you got a
3: little kid it's about a kid finding
0: their Their yeah
3: we could talk about all the there's a whole episode you could probably do about kids films of the 80s with these young girl protagonists
0: right is there a stinger Um, at the end of labyrinth i can't recall no okay then we got to do an episode on that at some point I'm not going to necessarily volunteer the polit- the poetic critic, that's the poetic critic on Letterboxd, just because I know a lot of mother lovers are going to be jumping at doing a Labyrinth podcast. Sorry.
3: You know, I'm glad to see people came around on Labyrinth after so long. Mm-hmm. For a while it felt like it was me and Leonard Malton, but... Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. look, I'm... Look, your you're big getting into Labyrinth happened around the same time Outside dropped. That got me in the Nine Inch Nails. I own Labyrinth a lot.
3: <laughs> well, I'd like to, you know, I remember... No, I mean, I loved it back in 1988 when yeah, we when saw remember, it. Yeah, we went to the Christmas Kitty Matinee. You know, exactly, this is the kind of film you truck out for the Christmas Kitty Matinee show in peewee's big adventure which has no christmas relation which just feels
0: right yes uh, no it's
3: because <laughs> it's got a bike in it and everybody likes a bike
0: <laughs> i mean i do have to revisit the wizard because you know that was released in christmas 89 yeah and, and uh, Shout
3: selects just brought that out on blu-ray I think.
0: And, right and as they say mario super mario brothers works <laughs> people you just gotta if
3: you're gonna a big commercial for toys you might as well do it at christmas time
0: yeah i mean that's um may have been the mistake the my little pony movie the most recent one yeah like yeah, why didn't I... you wait two more months
3: well that's because they wouldn't they probably feared it because that was 2017 right uh yeah that was right in the middle Coco you know, cocoa came out as disney's thanksgiving release you drop was, it right you know, on. There was Thor Ragnarok. There was. Uh, okay. Ready for the Last Jedi. All
0: right, all right, all right. That was a. That was that would be a tough year.
3: Yeah, Disney, you know, pretty much compromised what Princess and the Frog could have done because they saved it for Christmas in 2009 because they gave the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol Thanksgiving slot. Yeah. Pre Thanksgiving slot. It
0: used to be the Christmas slot was very important. I guess it. We'll find well, out. Christmas
3: with... slot's still important, but not especially... Because it works for both family movies and awards bait, but with Christmas movies, you want to get it out a few weeks in advance.
0: Oh, yeah. No, Just it's it's not it good for Christmas movies. I'm, when, yeah. The only reason I'm saying but, uh, move ponies up to... to up to G, to uh, Christmas, the Christmas time. Yeah. It's just because the toy element.
3: Right, but no. What
0: the bloody! Uh, I haven't watched it yet since I have access to Netflix. What the heck's going on with them ponies?
3: I don't know. Well, I've
0: seen these the CG. New, the new yeah. continuity they're doing. Oh, I don't tell me. Oh, jeez. It's yeah. It's
3: another. It's we're on. I think it's it's G-Pod.
0: bloated, bloated CG. Yeah. Like I'm sorry, we're gonna have fat equestrians i hate to be that judgmental twat so all right so you know christmas movies sit around we got into that we've done the jace i mean i did find some movies i was interested in just didn't have the time obviously with my cynicism krampus i just you know i I haven't seen that yet i got over well tony collette's in it so it's got to have something i have not seen um harold and kumar uh, escape escape tunnel they i don't yeah. want to be lost with the 3d christmas yeah. way to go uh oh shoot i'm sorry i oh Cal pen for your engagement um let's see now there's a movie that i found i think it was on plex which is weird because it's like and this is originally this can also be found on crackle they tell you what like it's kind of a data like a throw together of where all these streaming movies like on Tubi and Pluto like no come to Plex you'll find it there's a called Uncle Nick with a Brian Posehn kind of navigating Christmas
3: we could go into all, yeah if we
0: and of course there's the jingle all the way
3: Yeah that's the movie I was duology. thinking of um, uh, 90s Christmas movie. yeah <laughs> Don't
0: and take I, I, another, Christmas. another thing like I don't know it. The biggest problem with Christmas on streaming services is there's a paywall. You're not getting a lot of free stuff on Tubi, Plex. Yeah,
3: you know, Tubi has some interesting Christmas.
0: Stuff some interesting, love. but it's it's you're you got to take the time to look and dig.
3: Yeah. Um, oh, you can find some interesting surprises if you dig, especially if you look at foreign language productions.
0: Oh no, there, there's like. Because
3: if you want, you can do a whole episode about the most interesting Christmas movies from other countries mm. and cultures. Like, uh, there's Uh, a finished production just known as Christmas Story, which is basically a Santa origin story, but until the very end, there's no magic involved, and it's a little simple uh, storybook drama about an orphan kid growing up in Lapland, who Mm -hmm. uh, gradually becomes a toy maker and giver, and it's a surprising. It's kind of a rough-hewn little movie. With great production values, and the English dub is good. Okay. Yeah, I don't. It only got an American release because it was one one of those faith-based companies. Because it's not uh, only secular.
0: There's been a bunch uh, of talk at my job about pure fit pure
3: Now this isn't a pure thing. No,
0: i no, I know. But are you familiar yeah. with pure Flix? Oh, oh,
3: <laughs> oh, Brad, I follow the cinema snob. Yes. Covers that kind
0: of... Oh yeah. So. <laughs> That's. Uh, That's infamous. Yeah, okay.
3: uh, Or the Japanese stop-motion animated feature Nutcracker Fantasy from 1979, which, in the English dub, you want to hear Christopher Lee belt out some songs of, I got a movie for you! (laughs)
0: So, other movies I was uh, looking at were The Nutcracker and the Four Realms.
3: Uh, Yeah, I have not seen that one, but Boy Howdy is the big plot twist, one of the dumbest i've ever heard well, especially for the subject matter uh,
0: well let's not ruin that for people who are like
3: no i'm not gonna ruin yeah. it but this but i think it was the reviewer at Rogerebert.com who said you know, she was watching the movie and she had a kid with her and when they got to the big plot twist the kid turned to her and said who knew oh,
0: geez. <laughs> so um another observation i made is um and I don't want to. I don't want to say this. Like, I think he's a talented enough guy. Uh there's just way too many Vince Vaughn movies, and you can't have too many Vince Vaughn Christmas movies. You, you, you <laughs> just can't. Fred Claus and. I've uh, seen that. No, I have not seen it, which is a shame because hey, Paul Giamatti. You I cannot have very too. Very good. You can't have too much Paul I it's Giamatti. Kind I know. Waste of a good
3: premise.
0: Yes, and never mind for Christmases. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Vince Vaughn, get your agent on the phone or something.
3: Like, I'm talking about. I could talk or about, team up
0: with Owen Wilson.
3: Let me talk about Nutcracker adaptations. At least the larger scale ones, because there have been you know cheap cartoons for TV. Right. But uh, Nutcracker Fantasy from '79 was done by the Sanrio folks. This was oh, okay. of the time they were doing films like the Unico movies. Yeah. Early. The anime productions. Right. And it's a fairly faithful adaptation of the E.T.A. Hoffman book. That the Nutcracker is based on Mm -hmm. the ballet. And it's the thing about the stop motion anime, it's a stop motion film. Because a lot of people might not realize this, but Rankin Bass worked with a Japanese animation studio called Topcraft on a lot of their specials. Yeah. And so they were they knew how to do stop motion. This Mm -hmm. place a lot like a Rankin Bass special, but with a more dreamy, darker tone. And the they did a very professional English dub with these little wooden dolls. And they use the Tchaikovsky music. There's also some original songs. And Christopher Lee voices several characters in the dub. There's also Melissa Gilbert, Julian Worley, and Roddy McDowell. All right. And it's worth tracking down. The Discotech Media did a DVD of this one a while mm. back. And there, it, there's some weird stylistic choices that are a little surprising, though you kind of understand why they do it the way they do. But it's (laughs) worth a look. Mm -hmm. Um, Um. Of other Nutcracker movies, 1986's Nutcracker the Motion Picture, which is from Carol Ballard, who's best known as the director of The Black Stallion, is a very interesting take. Technically, it's just a filming of the Pacific Northwest ballet version that Maurice Sendak designed. Interesting. They took a revisionist take on the traditional text, with how Clara relates to the old toy maker Drosselmeyer and stuff, and uh, it's one. It's definitely a movie you could team up with as a double feature with *Labyrinth* or *Return to Oz*. That way, like you, you can do a whole small film festival's worth of kitty movies, the '80s with female protagonists, kind of dealing with. The move into adolescence and beyond, mm-hmm. and that would work just as well. I've seen the uh, yeah, George I mean, a lot, of, Schoen-
0: a lot of Jennifer Connolly stuff, Labyrinth, yeah. Phenomena.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, okay,
0: she so just let that joke slip. I know, <laughs> okay, I
3: know what you're
0: getting. It's, at. Teach your kids about Argento that's the message of the podcast.
3: I've seen the Macaulay Culkin Nutcracker. or yeah, just the straight filming of what New York, Ballet, right. New York City Ballet does, yeah, and that's fine mm. it's nothing particularly special but it, if you want to see, that's almost like traditional nutcracker they've done for the big screen yep and there's the very strange 3d nutcracker they did in 2010 with right if... uh which is known as depending on what your print is it's nutcracker in 3d or it's nutcracker the untold story it's the one where the evil rats are a transparent nazi metaphor and mm.
0: <laughs> nice.
3: With the yes, and it is just as weird and tacky as that sounds. Though, if you want to see some, it is some prime quasi, mostly unintentional camp. I mm. think because you also get Nathan Lane is a guy who is obviously supposed to be Albert Einstein, and they never make that absolutely clear. <laughs> Here's
0: a question: Why don't we ever just cast Albert Brooks as Albert Einstein? It's it's right there. I didn't know. What's Albert Sprouks' real yeah, last it's name? Albert Einstein. Yeah. Okay. His
3: brother, his brother kept that
0: last name, Bob Einstein. And and uh, let's see. I think it was only Dave. Was, was sorry, Bob Einstein was that Super Dave? Yeah. Okay. I'm just just making sure Your I got brother. my. Yeah, I know the brother. I'm just trying to make sure I got yeah. my.
3: But yeah, you are
0: no. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, for a second there, I thought Dave was Dave.
3: Yeah, um, you can see yeah. a. Yeah, uh, we were talking about modern romance earlier, and Bob Einstein has cameo in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, that the uh, Nutcracker in 3D, or Nutcracker the Untold Story, uh, that is a movie that makes so many wildly wrong decisions. <laughs> that it is, if you're looking for a good train wreck Christmas movie... You will find few better
0: candidates. And if you're looking, and I was just going through my notes, and if you're looking for the best Donald Logue Christmas movie, it is not Reindeer Games. <laughs> like, Reindeer Games, it's more insulting that we wasted so many great actors in this. Never mind it being John Frankenheimer. Uh-huh. Um, Donald Logue, Danny Trejo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's um, Gary Sinise yeah. in a total... Night, late seventies, uh, Lieutenant Dan. The entire movie, uh-huh. like, there's so much good stuff that could, like, ah, okay, is um. But the Donald Logue movie I would suggest if you're looking for Christmas is the Silent Night remake, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night remake, Silent Night. You get Malcolm McDowell trying to be an American sheriff, I and mean, this is this is camp. Mm-hmm. Donald Logue is a drunk Santa. Jamie King, so the, there's some cool kills. But yeah, no. I mean, you got to be in the mood for a horror movie, and
3: and if you're, and I would step up to say, Roof Tracks has knocked it out of the park when they come up with crazy Christmas stuff. These yes. Days. I mean, we're not just talking the stuff MST3K did because they did. You know, they have done remakes. Mm. Them and Cinematic Titanic have retackled stuff like Yeah, Conquers the Martians, but they've also done like I believe they did a. Uh, here comes Santa Claus from 1984,
0: though they yeah.
3: retitled it. I believe in Santa right, Claus. Right. Yeah. Or as Bill puts, no it Santa
0: Claus. Sorry, it. I was about to say I was about to do an app, do the African characters in that one. It's yeah. Like,
3: nope. Or nope. Russ, stop. Stop. Yeah. Or is I think it was Bill. Bill gives it the retitle midway through the riff. This movie was originally titled "Santa Claus and the Christmas Fairy Go to Burkina Faso and Talk to Monkeys."
0: <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> And,
3: um... um, Or all the obscure Christmas specials that uh, Bridget and Mary Jo in particular tracked down. Like an early Seth Green appearance in a TV special called Charlie's Christmas Secret. <laughs> oh,
0: geez. Of
3: course, an early joke is the secret is he's Jewish. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> That's about a little kid who decides to... Uh, Help out some down
0: and out people. What, what With Chris, and I, I hate to say it because I think they're the most overrated band of all time, but we really do need Chris uh, Kiss Save Santa Claus. <laughs> Maybe, but, I
3: don't know.
0: I mean, you know Gene and Paul are up for it. You know, I, I think Seth McFarland is so disconnected from Fox that you know, I'll do my animation style to recapture that.
3: What other ones work? What, a, what other riff tracks have they done? Um, now, Bridget and Mary Jo found some neat, neat stuff to poke fun at, such as an animated special from the mid-'70s about inspired by the uh, Yes, Virginia letter.
0: Hey, baby. Which
3: is animated by the same folks that did the peanut specials, and it looks a lot like a peanut special, too. Or uh, they've done a few takes on... Uh, Christmas Carol short-form adaptations. Uh, now, Riff Tracks uh, tends to bring it when they do Christmas stuff. Of course, they've done the legendary sin and Ice Cream Bunny, which I knew about before it was cool, because the Agony Booth was pretty much the place that dug that one up. I have no evidence anyone else had done it, except maybe the old Kitty Manonet website. That's now defunct, because... Uh, that is still, because that was one of the first reviews I read at that site back when I was writing for it for a while, and for a time they were trying to experiment with paid, paid subscriptions or something to the site, and they paid us out a bit. and In my case, I said I'll just take a DVD, and he, the guy in charge, got me a copy of Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny, which. You know, it had to have been a VHS rip because there wasn't anything else at the time. And I saw it before the Riff Tracks gang got their hands on it. Much less before they managed to track down the Jack and the Beanstalk version as opposed to the Thumbelina version we all knew. If, if you're a Riff tracks fan, you know what I'm talking about here, but if you're not... I guess uh, one movie that Kevin Murphy, going by Twitter, is thinking, when thinking might be a good Riff candidate is Santa Claus the movie, which he really doesn't like. But I don't know if that would work as a Riff Tracks. I can see why it's a tempting target, because it has such a bad reputation among more high-profile Christmas Kitty movies. But I think when you've done stuff like Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny, or Here Comes Santa Claus, or that... I think you're being a bit harsh on something like Santa Claus the movie. I know, I know the feeling. is It's too big. It's kind of oppressive. I always, I'd like to joke that if anything, all the elves dance. All the sometimes there's a lot of overextended thing Like one cr- critic, of the old the Moria website point put it this way. They could have cut the runtime by like a half if they just cut all the elves dancing stuff down. <laughs> but I always think of that riff exchange in the Alpha Antic short on Mystery Science, the Earth Economy. You know, I never had that much fun as a kid. Nobody did. <laughs> Cause I think that's what bugs people about your more sentimental Christmas movies is that they can lay it on really thick. But that's not always a bad thing. I mean, that's sometimes what you want. I think that probably is, now that I think about it, one reason Hallmark movies are so popular. Well, I guess we're winding down.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess what I'm getting out when I got out of all this experience is more or less that, you know, maybe I want my Christmas spirit back. Maybe I want to believe that there's something wholesome to it all. But I still, but nobody's it's just very difficult to find a, a solid message i mean some,
3: trying to find the sweet spot that's honest about what's good about christmas but can criticize what's wrong with how we treat it
0: yeah i think that's it so it's just so much easier to like and um As who's john mcclain running from this time <laughs> my I mean, it's a Die Hard is everything that's right with Christmas. It's a man who just wants to see his kids, and it's it's not kidnapped and it's not like stuff you see in from the nineteen eighty 1980 and nineteen eighty one cinema snob review. <laughs> uh, you yeah, know, whatever that James Conn movie was, see? and the there's the kid thing in Thief. No, 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 no. Now, that so was, to say,
3: no, that was he was talking about.
0: Um... And we're we're talking about um. Oh,
3: it- Huh, the the
0: the the 81 movie that was improper channels i thought james conn had yeah, they brought were,
3: it. no ja- improper channels was the one with alan Arkin. Yeah. And but there was also one that james conn had done uh hide in plain sight okay yeah in 1980 which is man wants to track down his kids Right. Apparently, okay. Apparently, that was a very popular theme in the early.
0: Yeah, days. it's never mind. Uh, what is it, Arthur Arthur with uh, uh, op, pa- Al Pacino? Yeah, the like, one
3: that became such a brilliant running gag on eighty solo. Probably.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so yeah.
3: You're trying to hold on to your kids or track down your kids. Yeah. it was it was post Kramer versus Kramer
0: thing. Right, and I guess um, like Christmas movies, everybody misses the goddamn point. <laughs> And um, you know, I wish uh, I don't know. I I guess I'm just a single forty-something, no kids, just a couple cats, and I don't know if I'm searching for that Christmas spirit or it's just like we have it all right here, mm-hmm. and a PlayStation Five. <laughs> so, well, thank you very much. Um, I'm glad you. I mean, this is a con. Conver- this is a conversation that you were able to carry which is um, very cool. Makes it a lot easier for me. Um, doesn't make it seem like I got my head up my ass all the time. So thank you very much for that, The Poetic Critic. That's letterbox.com forward slash The Poetic Critic. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd. That's um, username Darth. That's Charlie Mary D-A-R-T-H. And you follow me on Twitter at CatBusRust. That's where I prefer to get all my hate just dealing with some right-wing trolls right now um so it'd be nice to change of pace to say my podcast sucks <laughs> um and of course uh rate and give me those five star reviews on your podcast apps just to help the algorithm and subscribe on top of that so thank you very much for uh, coming back the night you for jill for listening and thank you for sasha hardin for being there for me throughout and still my inspiration on just trying to be a success in life Uh, Thank you again, the poetic critic. And I will see you when I'll see you. Uh, Definitely, uh, probably more Disney planning Mm -hmm. to be discussed. So maybe we got to do something Disney focused just so we can keep your mind on everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I don't know. I got two podcasts lined up, um, podcast guests lined up. And of course, it's a podcast. We got to do best of bollocks when it comes to the end of the year. So. Thanks again for coming back tonight for chilling. Thank you, the Poetic Critic. You're welcome. And let's see if I hit the applause button on the first time. I didn't hit it long enough. And they give you some woos, too.
1: Can I hear
2: a Wahoo.